0: This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless, available online at bravadowireless.com. All right, let's uh, hit up the hotline here on the Blitz 1170. Joining us now for the second time, a previous guest here on the show is a uh, gentleman that covers the Oklahoma City Thunder that is a great follow here uh, on Twitter and all of the different shows that he is a part of. I'm speaking of Andrew Schlecht, covers the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, Let's see, for not only The Athletic, but he's got the uh, Slam and Jam um, podcast, also Down to Dunk, and the Oklahoma City Dream Team, or OKC Dream Team. And he joins us now here on the Blitz 1170. Andrew, what's going on today, man? How are you? Uh, I'm doing awesome. It's draft week.
1: Uh, one of the most fun weeks of the of the year for the nba
0: there is no doubt it is and i i want to start with just your thoughts and because it kind of ties into something that you've been talking about a lot i initially want your thoughts on why why of all times now washington decided you know what we kind of want to rebuild now and moving of beal to phoenix and what that potentially creates now with a scenario that if you want to start a rebuild earlier, maybe you would like a little bit more assets. And they're just kind of parked there at 8 with the Thunder maybe kicking the tires on trying to move up. So we'll get to all that. But at first, I want your thoughts on how you feel like that Beal is going to fit in Phoenix.
1: I think Beal going to fit just fine in Phoenix. I mean, they, he's going to be a scoring punch for them. Obviously, a guy that can take some pressure off Devin Booker as a ball handler as well. Uh, he's not been a great defender over the past few years, but he also hasn't had a ton of incentives to be a defender. And so I think if you take a little bit of offensive pressure off of him, he's going to be a little bit better than people think. So I think the fit there is going to be fine. Uh, Now it's all about health for Phoenix. Yes. Can they all be healthy at the right time? If they are, they're going to be pretty dangerous. And if they're not, then this is going to be one of the most, uh, expensive projects in a long time that just doesn't work out. And so it, it's a tough position, but you also have to ask yourself, like, what else are they going to do? That's so right. If you're, critical of, if you're critical of Phoenix, then, okay, tell me what else they could have done with, like, a handful of first-round picks, a guy that were, they were just going to wave anyways and Landry your family. I mean, you're not getting anything close to that. So if your owner if your owners willing to pay it, hey, take a swing because – I think Denver is good enough to where you look at the team that they had last year and say, yeah, that wasn't good enough. We need to figure out a way to up the ante a little bit, and Beal does that, and now it's just all about health.
0: We were talking yesterday in the afternoon. I I marvel. I I think you could make the argument at one point in time several years ago before all the injuries set in that maybe it's not quite a Rudy Gobert-esque call, but, but Beal at one point, I mean, the amount of cost that it would have taken to, to move him at that time, maybe unlike anything that we'd ever seen in the NBA before. And now here we are a few years later, uh, what they had to give up for him. Yes. It's a lot of salary to take on with, with how he's paid now. And of course what he provides on the court, but I'm with you. If, if you're Phoenix, that made a lot of sense to me because I don't know if there was another move out there that made as much sense as what this one did with the current crop of people that were available.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's just a situation that they've been put in. And it's how, how can they upgrade the Chris Paul spot? They did a good job. And then for Washington, it was just all about that no trade clause. I mean, Beal was directing what was going to happen. The, you know, the new management in Washington wanted to reset, and they wanted to reset now. And it just happened to be the worst time possible to try to reset. And it was one of the worst teams in the league to have to reset with, with Beal. But Bill got to decide where to go. Now, the thing I do wonder is why didn't Washington just say, all right, no thanks. We're not doing that. It's not like they dealt for a lottery pick with him. There was nothing that was going to happen in the next few weeks that was really going to affect the rebuild all that much. They could have just held and said, hey, we want to deal you to Miami, who's got first rounders, we want to deal you somewhere else that isn't Phoenix, because they've traded all their first rounders away. I do wonder why. They felt like they had to agree to that uh, yesterday or the day before. I'm sorry. Um, I don't know why they felt like they had to do it then, but it it does set them up to start rebuilding right away, which I think is what they wanted to do. But, you know, you wonder about behind the scenes why it had to be on Sunday.
0: So I asked that for a reason, and it's because it could have an impact with this rebuild that they decided to do now with what happens coming up in a few nights during the NBA draft. You have talked about this quite a bit, the potential of Oklahoma City moving up from 12. Washington is sitting there at 8. Um, how has that that move kind of impacted maybe what the Wizards want to do and start their rebuild now with as much draft capital uh, capital as the Thunder have?
1: Yeah, I mean, you have to wonder how much Washington values that pick and the players that are in that range, because the Thunder could, all, it, and also same with OKC. Does OKC value that range as well? Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But if the Thunder did, they could offer 12 and a couple future first-round picks, and that helps the Wizards quite a bit because they don't have future draft capital. And so starting out a rebuild, you want to have more ammo. And so if the Thunder really likes somebody up at eight, they they've got they've got enough to get there. Now, it just is going to depend on if Washington really likes a player. List. If they really like Anthony Black out of Arkansas, then they're just going to stay. I think, he, I think Anthony Black's actually a great player to start your rebuild with. Really smart player, uber competitive, six foot seven point guard that can do a lot for you. Um, so I don't know if it's a true possibility, but I do think that it's something that if you're OKC, okay, so you kick the tires on, especially if you're trying to get a Jairus Walker or a Taylor Hendricks or an Anthony Black or an Asar Thompson that are going to be more in that range uh, and unlikely to fall to 12.
0: That was my next question. If uh, if you're pulling the trigger there and you find yourself in that position where, where you're at eight, who, who are you highlighting at that point, point that you really like, Andrew, uh, through some of this as we inch closer to the NBA draft?
1: Yeah, I really like Anthony Black, who who I mentioned already. The, the trouble with him is that he's not a great shooter. And the fit isn't super seamless from the start. But I do think a player that has the competitiveness that he has, uh, I think he'll figure it out. And so I would feel comfortable taking him. I think Asar Thompson uh, from the overtime elite would be really interesting as well. Six seven, very athletic forward that... Also struggles to shoot a little bit, but a good passer, hard worker. I think he'd be great. And then I don't think Jairus Walker's falling that far, but if he's somebody that did, he's somebody I think you could circle pretty easily. Six, seven, power forward. He can play a little bit on the wing as well. Moves his feet really well. Crazy strong. He's about 250 pounds. Uh, He's a very interesting prospect for sure that i think you could see easily sitting next to chet holmgren and maybe even guarding some of the players that are a little bit bigger and stronger where chet could kind of roam a little bit as a defender so i think those are the guys that make the most sense if you're looking to move up on thursday night
0: if you're staying at 12 the caliber of players that could potentially be available at 12 is there someone that you like in that range if they don't make a move
1: yeah, there's a guard from Michigan named Kobe Bufkin who I think is really good. He's six four. He can kind of do a little bit of everything. Shoots the ball well from the perimeter. He's a guy that can get to the hoop. He finished 71% at the rim this season, which is just unheard of for a guard. Uh, good passer. He can just do a little bit of everything. Uh, never hurts to have a guy like that. Think Derek White from the Celtics. Uh, he can do a little bit of everything for you. So I think that's a guy I really like. There's a player out of France uh, that played for Metropolitan's 92 with Victor Wimbanyama named Bilal Koulibaly. And he is a project. He is 18 years old right now. He is six foot seven. He's got a seven foot two wingspan. (laughs) He's very athletic, really pretty good defender right now. But the shooting mechanics need some work. He's It's about three different motions to get into his shot. And he's he's a hard worker. He's somebody who got a lot better as the season went along. He's somebody who's competed at a super high level in, in the lower levels and then kind of got it together during the playoffs for Mets 92. So he's, a, he's an interesting one. We know Sam Presti was over in France, I think that was about a week and a half ago, watching him up close. And so obviously the Thunder have, some interest in him whether that be taking him at 12 or maybe not taking him at all I'm not sure but he's somebody that would be there um uh, those are those are two that I really like there's also uh, Derek Lively he's a he's a center that is a crazy good shot blocker some people think he can shoot it from deep uh he didn't hardly take any shots from 3 at duke this year though and he was not the most productive player but you could see a guy like him very good athlete, seven foot one, that if the Thunder did want to take a big man, it would probably be lively.
0: It's also time to remind people that there is history with the type of player that the Thunder typically like to draft. Um, what you were mm-hmm. mentioned there before with wingspan, I mean that's been it has been talked about a bunch. I think what you guys have done on, on your various podcasts that you've been involved with, you have explained as well as anyone as the type of player that typically Sam Presti and the Thunder organization, are looking for. They have a type, super long, high IQ players. Uh, and it, this is another time where, you're, is that instantly where you start and try to go and identifying players that they could potentially be involved in because you know the type of players that the type that they like that they've drafted in the past?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think when you, when you want to find out who you think the Thunder might take, I think, one, it has to start with character. And so it's talking to people that have been around these guys. You almost assuredly have to be a high-character person to be a Thunder player today. Uh, and then second, decision-making. Can you make a decision with the basketball? I think the Thunder want guys up and down the roster that can make decisions. You don't necessarily have to be a point guard to be able to do that. Uh, like I mentioned, Jairus Walker is a guy from the power forward position that can do that pretty well. Uh, I think that's another thing that I think that they value quite a bit. Now, you need shooting. You need guys that can finish plays for you. Do the Thunder value the, uh, the play finishing of a guy like Taylor Hendricks from UCF? They might. He, he can shoot it from deep. He's a almost 6'10 power forward that can block shots. So I am I'm intrigued by him. However, he's not a decision maker with the ball and that the Thunder haven't taken a player in the lottery since the three goals started. that can't make a decision with the ball. And that's kind of why I lean more toward the Thompson twins. Both do that. Anthony black does that. Jerris Walker does that. Uh, Grady Dick out of Kansas can do that a little bit. Case Wallace from Kentucky can do that. Kobe buskin can do that. So those are the kind of guys that I think it's most likely, however, the Thunder don't tell anybody what they're doing right yeah. now. <laughs> they don't tell anybody who they like. <laughs> I, I, have, I have heard many names from people that sound so sure of themselves when they say, oh, the Thunder are going to take so-and-so or they're, they gave so-and-so a promise. And I've heard in the same day two different people say that the Thunder promised two different prospects. And so what you have to know right now about the Thunder is there's a lot of smoke. There's just a lot of smoke. They want it that way. They don't want people to know what they want to do. They want to to deceive people. It doesn't help them if everybody knows that they want to zero in on a particular player. Well, then Orlando's got two picks. They could just say, hey, we're taking that guy unless you give us, you know, extra first-rounder, and then you can have him, you know. And it may not even be somebody that Orlando wants. So, like, right now, if you're hearing a name a lot, don't always believe it. Unless it's a team that is not great in kind of dealing with uh, putting smoke out there. Like Detroit's not great with it. Houston's not great with it. You can kind of believe stuff that you hear coming out of there, but it's hard to believe a whole lot that's coming out of OKC right now. And a lot of it is coming from agents, it's coming from other teams, it's coming from people that hear it, you know, secondhand. It's never coming from like the front office of OKC
0: we know who one's going to be there has been debate about you know two and three and the, the two names in Brandon Miller and Scoot that could potentially go there but after we get outside of pick three it seems to me that there's not really a whole lot of consensus on anything right now about who could be in line after we get out of the top three picks
1: yeah, Amin Thompson, the twin brother of Asar Thompson, who I mentioned earlier, is somebody that is definitely in the mix at four for the Houston Rockets, as is Cam Whitmore from Villanova, six, seven forward that can really score. One of the best athletes in this class and is just an explosive, explosive athlete. But yeah, I mean, I think those guys are probably the two that people most commonly mock at four and five, but. I've seen Jairus Walker up that high. I've seen Asar Thompson up there. You can, you've seen stuff where Anthony Black can be up at that four, or five, or six slot. Yeah, people don't know. I think consensus is that people like the top nine guys in Wimbanyama, Henderson, Brandon Miller, Alvin Thompson, Cam Whitmore, uh, Asar Thompson, Jairus Walker, Taylor Hendricks, Anthony Black. I think almost every team loves those nine guys. But what order they go in, I don't think people have any clue how that's going to go. Um, So I I think the price to trade up into that top nine is going to be quite a, it's going to be quite a bit just because everybody kind of believes in those nine guys. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see the order and interesting to see if somebody does move out, what the price is.
0: Final one for me is Andrew Schlecht is our guest here on the Blitz 1170. We got a pretty good confirmation about how the Thunder feel about this core of players that they have. I believe that you were on this train as well. The move that we saw with them in the, in the previous trade for picks earlier um, to me was more of a a cementing home. We think that we're pretty damn good in terms of the future and the young talent that we have here. Um, They need someone that can add to this puzzle, but uh, this the Thunder have shown time and time again, even though they like to keep things cloudy Make no make no mistake, they really, really think that this young core of talent that they have is going to take them into the next level in the next generation of Thunder basketball.
1: Yeah, I mean, you have a first-team All-NBA guard and Shea Giddles-Alexander, who is not only crazy talented, over 30 points per game this season, but became a much better defender and is truly a leader of these guys. I mean, everybody loves him. He brings a certain joy to the game um, every time he walks through those doors, so I think they're excited about him. Josh Giddy is, in my opinion, criminally underrated by Thunder fans. He's 16 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, and he's 20 years old. He improved his shooting from 3 by 6 percentage points. He's one of the smartest, fastest thinkers of the game, and he is insanely young. And he's going to continue to get stronger. He's going to continue to work on his shot. He's got all-star potential. I think that he's got a really high ceiling. And then you have Jalen Williams, who's surprised. You have Lou Dortz, one of the best point-of-attack defenders in the league. And then you're adding the second overall pick in a really, really good draft from last year in Chet Holmgren, who has done nothing but work on his shot for an entire year to try to get better as a shooter because I think that it's, it's obvious that if, if he's a great shooter, he's going to get paid more, but also this team needs somebody like that. And I think he knows that. And so they're going to find Chet. I think people are going to be so surprised when they see Chet out there shooting from three, finishing at the rim, that the guy can finish off the dribble himself. He can uh, thrive in a short roll situation off a pick and roll. I mean, he's going to be able to do a lot of things as an offensive player in the defensively, got some of the best timing as a shot blocker and so the thunder has something really special and they have a ton of first round picks and they've got this another lottery pick that's going to be on the team next year that by this time next year we may consider a part of the core of the team so they've got a bright future there's there's no, there's been teams that have done rebuilding projects like this before and a lot of times you think about the the philadelphia 76ers but no no one has ever actually carried this through this is, the, this is the point in most rebuilds where teams say, okay, that was cool enough. Let's take some picks and go trade for Tobias Harris. Or let's go trade for somebody that can help us now. Whereas the Thunder are sitting back and saying, let's slow this down a little bit. Let's see if we can actually get this thing to the tip top by developing these guys in-house, by getting – as much talent on a team as possible by acquiring an entire team of playmakers where they're just not a team like this in the NBA. And some people are like, Hey, Hey, enough with the playmaker stuff. I think that they sit back and think, why, why can't we have eight guys on the team that can all do something with the basketball? And instead of having defined roles, everybody kind of can do the same thing. And if they're all six foot seven, you could probably do it. And yeah. so, uh, this is a—it's a, definitely a an exciting time to be a Thunder fan. We called it yesterday. Eric
0: Musselman's wet dream—the true definition of, of, <laughs> of positionless basketball—is is what the Thunder <laughs> are trying right. to build. So uh, I'm totally. sure there's a big totally. fan over in Arkansas right now of uh, Coach Musselman. Andrew, this is great, man. Thank you so much for joining us. Keep up the great work, man. Always enjoy listening to you, and we can't thank you enough for joining us here on also on the Blitz. All right. Thanks, Melis. That's Andrew Schleck joining us here on the Blitz 1170. Talking a little Oklahoma City Thunder and NBA Draft as we are inching oh so closer. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.